Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be talking about the 2014 movie Divergent, based on the book Divergent by Veronica Roth, starring Shailene Woodley and Theo James. And let me just say, I love Shailene Woodley. Do you know what? She is a really, I don't want to say underrated because I do think she gets kind of the attention she deserves, but I don't know why she's not in more stuff. She's underutilized. She is underutilized. And Theo James, let me just say, daddy, daddy. Theo James is ugly hot. No, he's not. He is hot, hot. No, Courtney, if you pretend you're a lesbian and you really look at him, like really look at him, mm-hmm. he's ugly. No, he's not. But he is hot. He's ugly hot. You cannot change my mind. You know what? It's okay to be wrong, Rose. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. Theo James is hot, hot. Um, Yeah, so we both read this book. I feel like as far as adaptations go, this is a pretty good adaptation. I think so, too. The movie is set in dystopian Chicago. There's a very kind of vague idea of the world being in shambles, but Mm -hmm. somehow a group of very smart people said we must save Chicago. Like, fuck the rest of the U.S., Chicago. Yes, we must save Chicago. And so they built a wall around Chicago, the Great Wall of Chicago. (laughs) And then they divided society into five factions. Right. We have abnegation, amnity, candor, dauntless, and erudite. Yes. So you have the selfless, the kind, the honest, the brave, and the smart. ¿Por qué no los dos? Why can't it be both? Because then you're deviating from the system and they kill you. (laughs) So essentially, they made these five boxes and everybody is supposed to fit into one of the boxes. And you know what's really wild is the fact that families are raised in specific boxes up until the kids reach a certain age. And then... Mm -hmm. They get tested and they get to choose where they need to go. And so I'm just thinking, like, if you spent your whole life being raised in one box, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's weird to then expect that person to completely reject their old life. Well, yeah, but also, listen, I have a lot of questions. So one, why can't they talk to their parents and their families if they leave their faction after testing? I think it's very clear that the factions are cults. Yeah, no, they are. They're cults. Our main character, her name is Beatrice, and Mm -hmm. she has grown up her whole life in abnegation. Abnegation... I guess, what could we compare them to without... The Amish. Okay, abnegation are kind of like the Amish in that they live a very simple life. They dress very plainly and simply. They reject vanity. Mm -hmm. And they are the selfless. So they go and they feed the factionless, the people who are in a faction and are essentially homeless. They go and they feed them. So yeah, she has grown up in abnegation with her, her parents, and her twin brother. Yeah, and the other thing about abnegation is that they are the only faction that's kind of trusted to run the government because they are so selfless. People are like, okay, that's that's fine. You do it. Because power totally doesn't corrupt people, right? Absolutely not. Beatrice is kind of in a sticky situation because she's never really fit in in abnegation. Mm-mm. On the outside, all the moving pieces are there for her to fit into abnegation. But also, if no one's watching, she's just got to kind of not my circus, not my monkeys and walk right past things, which good for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like not her instinct to be charitable. It's not her instinct. But she's the kind of girl that she hears someone yelling and she's like, yo, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, she's she's reactive. Yes, she's very reactive. Yeah. So it's testing day and the way they do the test is it's not like a written test or online test. It is essentially like a brain stimulation test. It's a hallucinogenic that they give these 15 year olds. (laughs) Yeah. So these children take this shot, which first of all, it takes her like four gulps to drink this shot. 
So like, girl, bottoms up. The liquid she drinks makes her hallucinate. She's in an empty room, which then becomes a room full of mirrors, which is arguably the creepiest type of rooms. Listen, you forget where you're standing. Right, because that's the thing. It's like reflection after reflection after reflection, and there are thousands of her. One of her reflections tells her to choose from two tables in front of her. One has Mm -hmm. a steak and one has a knife. And at first she's kind of confused. She's just like, what? What? Like, she did not understand the assignment. She has follow up questions is the thing, right? Like, usually people in movies don't have follow up questions. They'd be like, "Okay, I picked the steak. Beatrice has follow up questions. Yeah. She's like, why do I need to choose? What is this? What is it for? Right. What was the reason? What was the reason? Like, it's a steak or a knife. Por que no los dos? Like, why can't (laughs) I have both? You know? Yeah. Then this snarling dog, mm-hmm. like this huge, feral-ass looking mangy dog just kind of shows up. It's clear that she should have chosen the steak to kind of distract the dog or the knife to defend herself. But she doesn't have anything now because she didn't pick. And so here she is just standing here in this mirrored ass room. And she's like, oh, this is fine. This is fine. She does what I don't think anyone would do, which is she drops to her knees, almost like Mm -hmm. in surrender. And when she looks up, the dog becomes a puppy. Yes, the dog becomes a puppy. And she's like, oh, sweet puppy. This other girl walks into the room and the dog turns into an attack wolf again. Mm -hmm. And the dog goes to attack the girl. Beatrice, unarmed because she doesn't have a knife or a steak, just runs after this dog and tackles it. Full double arm tackles this dog to the floor. And right that second, she is jolted awake. The woman who was administering the test looks completely flustered. And she says, listen, you need to go get out of here. Tell your family that the serum made you sick. Beatrice is like, what was my result, though? Yeah. And the test lady was like, you were abnegation and erudite and dauntless. Beatrice says, that's not possible. And the tester says, it is possible. It's just rare. It's called divergent. And she's like, but listen, like you're in danger. You need to leave. Let's go out the back door before my supervisors come in. Beatrice is like, no, this test is supposed to tell me what to choose. The woman's like, listen, what part of you are in danger? Get out of here. Do you not understand? Yeah. So that night at dinner, things are kind of tense because, you know, one, the choosing ceremony is tomorrow, but the parents do not seem concerned that their children are going to defect. Right. You know, her dad is in the government And her mom just seems so sweet and serene and loving. She is played by Ashley Judd, who is my mommy in another alternate universe. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, my God. She just looks so kind. Yeah. I love her. We get a little bit of tea during this family dinner. First of all, the family dynamics are... You know, her parents seem loving, they seem supportive, Mm -hmm. but they are very stiff because they are abnegation. Side note, stiff is what the other factions call abnegation. Right. It's a little loving, cute little nickname. Yeah, it's a little cute nickname. So... The father tells his kids like, hey, we're we're having some issues over at the government because erudites want to take over. They think they're the ones that should be in charge because they're the mm-hmm. smartest. And they're bringing up old accusations about how the person in charge of abnegation, thus in charge of the other factions, used to beat his son. Erudite is trying to discredit abnegation so that they can bump them off the leadership. Yeah, because again, Ariadne is the smart ones Mm -hmm. and they're like, we don't need selfless people in charge. We need smart people in charge, which honestly, like, why not both? (laughs) They kind of have a point. Caleb, Beatrice's brother, tells her, he's like, hey, you know, when you choose tomorrow, you have to think of the family, but you also have to think of yourself. So the next day is the choosing ceremony Mm -hmm. and all of the groups from all of the different factions are coming together and we get this overhead shot of the auditorium and they're each dressed very differently like they almost have a uniform yeah so the dauntless are in black the abnegation are in like a beigey gray Mm -hmm. amity is in like boho skirts and they're the farmers and stoners (laughs) yes the farmers and stoners Ariadite is in this pretty blue. Yes, very pretty. And Candor is in white. They have a set color palette. 
there's no color mm-hmm. theory here. You know, like if your color washes you out, tough luck. And it's one of those things to where I would choose based on color. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Like, listen, uh, like I'm really a candor, but just that white washes me out. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with erudite because that blue is just so It's going to pop my eyes. It's going to make my eyes pop, you know? Yeah. The choosing day is this big production. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, we have the auditorium full of people in their separate little sectors. And then we have our villain. We have Kate Winslet, dressed in blue, blonde bob. Kate Winslet is the head of Erudite. And so Kate Winslet's name is Janine. And Janine is like, listen, we developed this test to keep the peace. If people conform to what they're supposed to be, everyone gets along. Yeah. If you go into your little box and you stay there Mm -hmm. your whole life, you don't cause issues and our society gets to run without any problems. Meanwhile, she is causing a bunch of issues. But but you know what's what's interesting is that this system has only been in place for 100 years, which when you think about it is maybe like what a couple generations of children. It's more than that. So they change when they're 15? Yeah, they change when they're 15. But if you think about it, like 100 years, we have Gen Alpha, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers. We have at least five. Yeah. Actually, then the silent generation. So we have six. One of the main things that is pushed here is that Mm -hmm. you are free to choose which faction you want to go into. But once you do, you are abandoning your original faction because Mm -hmm. faction before blood. And also there is no undoing it. You're stuck there for life. You can't go back to your original faction if you find out you hate your new one. Or if you don't, if you get kicked out of your new one, you can't go back. You are what is called factionless and you're homeless and you live on the streets. This ceremony, doesn't it kind of feel like a metaphor for like high school graduation where everyone's like pressuring you to choose your future right now and you're like 16, 17? Yeah. And you're just like, uh, what? I don't know. It's like you have to choose now or you're going to be homeless. <laughs> like Choose you know your what? whole life. No. That's exactly how it is. The fact that we make 18 year olds decide their entire life just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, So listen, you're either going to choose about 100 grand of student debt, military service, or being a burden on society. Those are like your only three choices. (laughs) Well, there is another there's another faction of society that gets to choose slipping into a a six figure job in their family business. You know, there's that. Well, we're not going to talk about them. They are divergents. (laughs) (laughs) They are Nepo babies. (laughs) So On the stage of this auditorium, we have five bowls and Mm -hmm. each bowl has objects that represent Mm -hmm. the different factions. What's in the bowls is actually unimportant. (laughs) It's, It's like very, it's all for show. It doesn't really matter. Yes. But the whole point is that each kid that gets called up has to take a knife, cut into their hand, and then pour their blood onto the bowl that they are choosing. Yes, because the motto of the entire society is faction before blood. It's all very performative and showy. I know, but I really love rituals like this. Have you looked into witchcraft? <laughs> can I can I interest you in some witchy crafty? <laughs> can I interest you in witchcraft? Because that is essentially the basis. Okay, listen, I'm not saying I want to go around slashing open my palm. But what I'm saying is, I kind of wish in our society, we had more rituals to kind of put an impact on people, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we kind of do right. We have like graduations. That's that's a ritual. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a very set specific thing. We have weddings. That's a ritual. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish there was funerals. like more. We have funerals. I kind of wish there was more in between because our big milestone rituals are so far in between of each other. You know, we should make it a common practice to where nobody sees our baby and until we present it on a rooftop, like in Lion King. <laughs> yes, stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, my you gosh. know what? I agree. I love it. Should we start our own cult? No. Why not? Um, you know, I I think what you're talking about is more of like a cooperative community. Okay. And not really a cult. Because I was looking at the difference between co-ops, um, intentional communities, and cults. Like, what's the difference? They mm-hmm. all sound the same to me. And the difference really is how easy it is to leave. 
Mm, okay. So yeah, when people come to you and say, hey, Rose, I think I really want to leave this cult mm-hmm. and go back to my life. Are you going to be like, good luck? Or are you going to be like, let me show you my basement? Uh, I'm going to say, let me show you my basement because <laughs> okay. you can't, okay, okay. can't leave. <laughs> All right. Okay. Just so we're on the right track. That is cult. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let me show you this bunker in the woods. <laughs> That's Shh, You're okay. You're okay. So Beatrice's brother, Caleb, goes first and he goes up there. Bro doesn't really think twice about it. Mm -mm. He doesn't even look back at his parents. He slices his palm. He wells up a drop of blood, holds it straight over Ariadite. And then he goes on to his little new blue crew. His parents are kind of floored because remember, Mm -hmm. the Ariadites are the enemy of abnegation, like on the the low, low, you know, they low key have beef. So Beatrice is next. She goes and cuts her palm open. There's a drop of blood about to fall from her palm and she is Mm -hmm. holding it over the pebbles in the abnegation bowl. Mm hmm. Right before that drop falls, she moves it quickly over the coals of Dauntless. Yes. Listen, it's a bad look for abnegation. Yeah, it is. Both of their kids leaving and not just leaving, but choosing like very opposite factions. Mm -hmm. I really wonder what Caleb's test said. Did it say erudite? Mm. What if you forget what the bowls represent? What if you're like <gasps> holding your palm and you're like, wait, wait, which one is which one is candor? Which one is candor? And then your blood drops to the wrong bowl and you're like, and I, oop. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, oopsie. You just pick the rock up and wash it off in the water and put it back. <laughs> that was a mistake. That was an error. That would be totally us. Yeah. Um, sorry. Do I go? Do I go now? No. Okay. After they do the ritual, they immediately go to their new faction section and then leave with them. They don't get to say goodbye to anybody. Yeah, that's so harsh, dude. Right? These are kids. Listen, could you imagine at 16, someone's like, hey. I'm your daddy now. (laughs) I'm your daddy now. (laughs) It would be a nice change for Rose to finally have one of those. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, God. For the record, I love jokes about me not having a dad. I make them all the time. You can take it out. No, 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 no. If I I ever get out of line and you're like, it's a little much today. Oh, God. I think it's hilarious. So we don't see what happens with Caleb after he leaves with Ariadite. But Beatrice gives her parents one last look as she's being ushered out by Dauntless. And then they just take off running to a moving train. The thing about Dauntless is that they are so extra because they have they're the brave faction, so they have to show that they're brave. They run everywhere they go. It's like, dude, chill. Beatrice is trying to catch up. She's running after them. These group of kids start climbing the beams of the overhead train station. I'm sure that there's perfectly good steps like a block that way. Yeah, no, they're like climbing the beams to get up there. Beatrice is like the last one up. Well, and also she's wearing a dress, so it's a lot Mm -hmm. harder for her. And so she gets up there. Our girl gets up there. Then the train starts coming. One dude jumps on the train, opens the door, and then the other current members of Dauntless just start doing that, just jumping on a moving train. And she's like, oh, shit. They have to chase after the train because they have to keep up, right? They have to keep Mm -hmm. up and then jump in when they can. And it just all seems like unnecessary cardio. That would probably be my number one exclusion from being Dauntless is that... I don't even do the necessary cardio. (laughs) So now you're wanting me to one, run everywhere. Right. Two, keep up with the moving train. Right. And then you want me to jump on it. Yeah. The fuck. Yeah. That's a no for me, bro. Yeah, it's a no. When they get to the Dauntless section of the city, Mm -hmm. they also jump off the train over like a three foot gap onto a roof. Yeah. Why? I don't understand. Were all of the train platforms destroyed in the war? I don't understand. Who is driving the train? Well, that's the thing, too, because the train carts they get into are empty. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that these trains are used for transportation because I think everybody just kind of stays in their factions. And so there are trains just riding around the city for like no reason other than for dauntless people to jump in and out of. So my question is, 
are those trains pre-war and they just don't know how to turn them off? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I like that theory the best. So we'll just go with that. They jump off this train onto a rooftop. Right. And first of all, Beatrice, being abnegation, she does not know how to tuck and roll. She probably doesn't even know (laughs) tuck and roll exists. (laughs) She lands really hard. They're on a high building. If you look over the edge of the high building, there is another building where the roof has collapsed in Mm -hmm. and there's just a pitch black hole. The leader of Dauntless tells the initiates that they have to jump off the ledge of this building into this pitch dark hole and just trust that he isn't fucking with them and they're not all going to die. And somebody says, what's down there? And he goes, jump and find out. Does this look like a trustworthy guy, Courtney? No, he looks like a gym bro. Yes, with a face tattoo. With a face tattoo (laughs) and a sideways eyebrow piercing. Oh my God. Also, his general attitude and demeanor does not say he won't kidnap and murder me. Right. Because that's definitely the vibe that this character is giving off. Yeah, this Eric guy, not good vibes. So Mm -hmm. no one volunteers to go first. Beatrice actually ends up volunteering She has a chip on her shoulder, I think, is the reason. Like, everyone looks down on her because she's from Abnegation. She's the only one from Abnegation in this group of new initiates. Mm -hmm. One of the guys from Candor, his name is Peter, he keeps calling her Stiff. And he's just like, hey, Stiff. Mm -hmm. I feel like Tris feels like she has the most to prove. She jumps off the ledge through the freaking jagged opening in the roof and ends Mm. up landing in a net. Yeah, it's like a net with, it's like a trampoline net. Mm -hmm. And then we have Theo James. He comes over to the edge, pulls it down and helps her down. He goes, did you get pushed? He is one of the, I guess, the top ranking Dauntless guys. He's not the leader, but he seems to be kind of like second. He helps her off. He grabs her by the waist. And you can tell that like a man has never touched her waist before. It is scandalous, girl. She is so... I wonder. Like, okay. So stay with me for a second. Mm -hmm. What are the rules about sex here? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm sure Dauntless has pretty fast and loose rules. Do you take a test at Ariadite to determine who you can bang? (laughs) Like, an abnegation? Are you supposed to wait until you're married? Right. And Amity, do you just sleep with everybody because Mm. you're nice? Right. Um, Like, I have questions about sort of how pairings are made. Yes. Uh, Beatrice has never been touched by a man and honestly never been touched by a man like Theo James. He introduces himself as four and he just kind of he's not impressed with her. He's just like, whatever. She's another initiate. Yeah. He says, what is your name? And the hot guy's got her tongue because she cannot respond like she's stuttering. Listen, Theo James is going to look at you in your face, ask you your name. Are you are you not going to be flustered? I'm going to be so flustered. He can tell that she's kind of flustered and he says, if you want to pick a new name, now's the chance, but make it good because you can't change it. And so she thinks about it for like five seconds and she's like, Tris. So she just shortens her name. Right. It does sound a little edgier, right? It does. And he's like, all right, Tris, welcome to Dauntless. Yes. Life at Dauntless is, uh, do you feel like their headquarters is like an old abandoned mall? Because I feel like it's a mall. It does feel like a mall. And so they separate the Dauntless born from the new to Dauntless initiates. Right. There were people that were raised in Dauntless that then went through the choosing ceremony and chose to stay in Dauntless. So Mm -hmm. they have an unfair advantage. They do. They have an unfair advantage. And they also don't need the tour that the other initiates are about to get. Right. I think it's important we point out that they're called initiates because they're not officially Dauntless yet. And this is rules that are new to this year. Previously, if you joined Dauntless, you stayed in Dauntless. Now they're only accepting the top 25. And so it's really interesting because the guy who's in charge, face tattoo guy, Eric, He's made up these new rules. And you can Mm. tell that four does not like the new rules. No, four does not. And some of the initiates are pretty vocal about this. They're like, why weren't we told? I mean, it's really risky, right? Because they thought that the hard part was choosing. And now they're in a faction that might not choose them. They might get kicked out and end up factionless. 
Eric says, why are you scared of being kicked out? The Dauntless aren't scared of anything, which you know what? Listen, I think the best way to approach this is make sure you guys are on a good regimen of antidepressants and then you won't be scared of anything. (laughs) All right. Facts. You know, Tris, as we'll call her from now on, she makes good friends with a girl named Christina who grew up Mm -hmm. in Candor. They go to this huge cafeteria place and it's loud Mm -hmm. and obnoxious. They sit by the guy named Four. Tris tries to talk to Four Mm -hmm. and he just calmly turns to her and says, what makes you think you can talk to me? And she goes, it's probably because you're so approachable. (laughs) (laughs) It's she's brave, dude. She's brave because he is not at all. He has like this this mean mug, you know, I want to lick his face. But girl, like the chemistry, you know what I mean? Listen, he feels it. She feels it. Everybody can see it. The chemistry between them is just pulsing around them. And it makes it so much fun because he acts like he hates her, but not her specifically, just like all the initiates. Because this is like boot camp, essentially. They're going to be put through boot camp and he's the drill instructor. Mm -hmm. And drill instructors are supposed to make, you know, the initiates feel like shit. Okay, not the time or place, but I just got the song from Mulan. Let's get down to business. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, moving yeah, on. Yeah, that's um, adequate. Because it's for his job to make a man out of her. You right. Know? Yeah, no, it's true. But he does seem a little extra annoyed by her general existence. Mm, I think it's because he gets the downstairs tingles around her and he doesn't like it. He's like, you are <laughs> awakening a long sleeping dragon. <laughs> you think four is in Dauntless where there seem to be very few rules and he's not getting laid? I don't know. You, it's Listen, it's a young adult book. We don't get a lot of... Uh... <laughs> I don't get a lot of description. I'm going to email Veronica Roth and be like, hey, can we get those deleted scenes with all the smut in it? Can we get <laughs> can all we, the smutty scenes? Can we get the smutty scenes that your editors made you cut? <laughs> or just be like, hey, I have questions about sex and factions. Can you clear this up for us? <laughs> Courtney, I'm not kidding. You better email her and I want an update on this. I, I will do that. Tris soon learns that getting into Dauntless is not going to be easy because the first part of their training is all physical training. And Tris's tiny little arms and little chicken legs are not (laughs) cut out for physical altercations as of right now. Right. Yeah, there's lots of running. There's MMA style fighting. There's shooting training. And Tris sucks at all of it. And they are being ranked. Mm -hmm. There's a scoreboard. So they can constantly see who's losing. The people who are in the bottom are going to get cut. And Tris is at the bottom. She is the second to the last. Mm -hmm. And she's like, shit, I'm going to be factionless. I'm going to die. To add insult to injury here, the leader who is training them, Eric, he, for some reason, does not like Tris at all. He is being particularly awful to her. To be fair, she has talked back to him a couple times. I think Tris talking back is the epitome of Dauntless. Not only am I not afraid of anything, I'm not afraid of you, Jimbro. No, that's a good point. You would think more of the Dauntless would be talking smack. Right, mouthy. Which, like, honestly, I don't know. I guess when you have this brute force, because the Dauntless is the police force, they're kind of the Mm. army, whatever, you need them to be disciplined. Like, yes, you want them to be tough, but you need them to be disciplined because the soldier is no good if he can't follow orders. Mm Mm-hmm. She has talked back to him a couple times, the first time of which led to her being thrown in the ring with this big, scary looking girl who proceeded to beat Trish's ass. Trish got her ass beat and she was like, oh, oh, (laughs) no. The second time she talked back to him, it led to him making four throw knives at her. And I want to say right here, when four throws knives at her, you know, he... Starts off low, right below her hand. And then Eric's like, four, you need to beef it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he throws one that comes a couple inches above her head. And then the last one cuts her ear. And when everything's said and done, Tris confronts four. She's like, you cut me. He goes, yeah, I meant to. He says, if I wanted to hurt you, I would, but I needed, you couldn't get out of that unharmed. Like Eric was not going to let you walk away. Mm -hmm. Four knew he had to make 
actress shed blood. So he mm-hmm. made sure she got cut a little bit. Eric is also like a sociopath. No, Eric is 100% a sociopath. And so here you are having a sociopath in charge of this crazy faction who are doing insane things. And it's almost like they don't really care if some of the initiates die. And it's not even like he's in charge of the whole faction. He's in charge of training the new children. So like yes. not only is he a sociopath, they also put him in charge of children. Right. So Tris and some of the friends that she's made... They go get a tattoo. There's a tattoo mm-hmm. parlor in the Dauntless land. And one of the tattoo artists is actually the woman who administered her test. Mm-hmm. And Trish tries to talk to her about everything. And at first, the lady's like, nope, I only do tattoos. Don't remember you. Yeah. So then Trish is like, I would like this tattoo, please. Thank you. Yeah, she gets, what is it, birds on her... On her collarbone. On her collarbone. The woman tells her, you made a mistake choosing Dauntless. They will Mm -hmm. find out about you. You're in danger because you don't fit into a a neat category. And that means they can't control you. Yeah, so we get a montage of Trish hardcore working out because she's like, I'm not about to be kicked out. Yeah, she starts working harder than ever, like in the evenings, after hours. Mm -hmm. So she does all the regular training and then she trains after hours on her days off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the montage does what the montage does. It shows her improving. It shows her being a better shot. It shows her moving up a few points on the scoreboard. It also shows that for like some of that action, you know, <laughs> he's constantly giving her some extra attention, some extra pointers. Right. He, he He's looking hard. That tension we talked about earlier, it is all there and he wants a piece of that. One of the tips Four gives her is that she's small, okay? Triss is small, and he's like, but you're fast. He's like, so you have a chance of winning if you strike first. He's like, you don't want to use just your arms. You need to put your whole body into that punch. Right. And he puts his hand on her stomach, and he goes, you need to keep here tense. Yeah. And she's like, you could tell that just went straight down to her panties, you know? (laughs) He tells her you have to go straight for the throat. And you have to strike first. Right. You're not going to win on sheer strength at all. You're the smallest person here. And then like the next day, Eric is bored because I guess there hasn't been enough bloodshed lately. Right. And so he's like, Peter, who is the shit talker from Candor, mm-hmm. he's like Peter, Triss in the ring. And so first of all, have you did you see Peter's biceps? Yeah. He's about ready to fuck Triss up. Uh, Peter, by the way, is played by Miles Teller. He's so cute. This isn't Top Gun Miles Teller, girl. This is Miles Teller back in the day day. He checks all my boxes, especially the douchebag box. Um, (laughs) I don't want to love it, but I do. Face tattoo Eric knew what he was doing, putting Triss in the ring with this big boy. And Mm -hmm. obviously, Triss, she's holding her own, to be fair. She does what Ford tells her to do. She tries to be quick. She hits him right in the throat. But that's not enough. That doesn't take him down. Here's what I think her mistake is. Her mistake is giving him a chance to recover. Once you hit him in the throat, you should have hit him in the throat again immediately. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Kick him in the nuts. Like, once you find a weakness... Fuck him up. Right. No, that is where she messed up because she did hit first. She got him in the throat. It didn't take him down, but you're right. She kind of stopped and let him recover. So from that point forward, he took no mercy on her. I don't think he Mm -hmm. ever intended to take mercy on her. He like face stomps her at the end. Yes. uh, Triss is beat unconscious. She wakes up in a hospital room. Two of her friends that are also initiates are there. They're like, you've been here for almost a day. And she's like, oh, shit, I'm like really behind on stuff. Mm -hmm. And they tell her, nope, Eric said you're out. Yeah. So basically, the initiates are heading out on the train to do some sort of last last part of their initiation. And Trista's friends tell her, like, you can't come. Obviously, you've gotten beat up. You're mm-hmm. in the hospital. And Eric said you're out. He said you're done. Yeah. So they give her big hugs and then they leave. And Tris decides, I'm going to go anyways. Yes. She puts on her tight little black outfit and she goes chasing after that train as it's already leaving. Mm hmm. You see Four kind of hanging out of the train and he's looking at her and you know that he knows that Eric doesn't want her to stay, Mm -hmm. but he reaches out a hand and pulls her onto the train. Probably mostly to spite Eric because Four and Eric do not get along. They don't, but also because he gets the downstairs tingles for her. 
He does. And you can tell he does. We're going to ask Veronica Roth to confirm, but we're pretty sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask. Um, <laughs> email number two. <laughs> um, but you know what? He helps her up. Eric comes over and he goes, who let you out? And she just says, I did. Yeah. Honestly, it, did, it doesn't seem very hard. Yeah. It doesn't seem very secure in the Dauntless facility. <laughs> what? Like it's hard? And Eric... Honestly, deep down inside, he probably wanted to toss her off that moving train. Yeah. I think at this point, he's just like, all right, fine, whatever. And then they go on to this abandoned amusement park to play Capture the Flag. There are two teams. Eric has a team and Four has a team. Four's first pick is, of course, Tris. Mm-hmm. We know what you're doing, boy. He wants to sneak away. <laughs> Behind an abandoned building. And show her his... His four inches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Well, another email to Veronica Roth. So, of course, capture the flag. Each team has a flag. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, they're also armed with what looks like automatic weapons, but they Mm -hmm. have bullets that have some sort of like neurotoxin that mimics the pain of actual bullets. How do they have access to this crap? I find it alarming that they have access to shit like this, but nobody seems to have a cell phone. Right. What war? Like, who were you at war with in the outside world where you were left with all of these biological weapons? The Amish. (laughs) The Amish. (laughs) Duh. Oh, man. There's like an underground facility where the Amish are like plotting. Right. Anyways, so while they're talking strategy, while Triss's team is talking strategy, she just starts climbing up a Ferris wheel. Yeah, dude, she's going up the Ferris wheel tower, kind of that thing right in the middle. And Four sees her and he starts following her. And she says, I want to get a good vantage point so I could see where the other team is. He follows her up. She almost falls and he catches her once again. This is like the third time that he touches her waist and she just like melts, right? Because every time they touch, it's like slow motion. Their breath hitches. I mean, you can tell that he's trying to not be like what that mouth do girl and (laughs) she's trying not to be like boy what that mouth do you know yeah 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 so they're about halfway up and he's like this is high enough yeah she realizes he's scared of heights and he admits it you know he's like yeah everybody's scared of something and i just thought vulnerability is so hot you know and it's very honest. Like she didn't have to pry it out of him or anything. He was like, oh, yeah, for sure, girl, for sure. A hundred percent. I'm scared of heights. But he still manages to climb up there. He, they mm-hmm. climb all the way to the top. And then they're really close to each other. They kind of have a moment. An almost moment. They have an almost moment, which I love almost moments. But then something catches their eye. Off in the distance, there's a tower, and at the top of the tower, they can see the glowing fabric of the other team's flag. Yes. They climb back down the Ferris wheel, and they're like, all right, here's our plan. This is what we're going to do. They organize, and they go to the tower. There's a firefight that happens with these, like, Mm -hmm. neurotoxins, you know? Just hitting kids with neurotoxins, like, no big deal. Tris makes it to the top after a fight with that big girl that beat her up the first time. She manages to capture the flag. Mm-hmm. You know, she won. Her team's really excited. And this really bumps Triss up in the levels, you know? Obviously, she's getting a lot of points for being the one that captures the flag. After this, they go out partying. Um, Triss and her friends do. They go out to celebrate. And Four even comes up to her and he's like, hey, you did really good out there. Yeah, he said, you were really good tonight. You were brave. And the chemistry, bananas chemistry. Right? Like, honestly... Listen, at this point, I'm like, just fucking kiss her already. I know. What is, what is the problem? What is the problem? What is the reason why we're not kissing yet? The next day is ranking day. And mm-hmm. everyone, all of the initiates are gathered around the scoreboard. And they're waiting to see if they have ranked above the red line. Because if they didn't, they are getting cut. Tris ranks above the line she's like three above the like you know like three numbers above the line but she still ranks above that damn line she made it yeah what that means essentially they passed the first phase of the training Mm -hmm. and they're going to move to the second phase but before they do that the initiates are asked to help load a cargo truck 
Mm -hmm. So they go and they help Amity load up the cargo trucks with the food. While Tris is there, she sees this like flashing coming from behind a stack of like corn or flour or something, some burlap sacks. And so, of course, she's like, hmm, I wonder what that is. I should probably go unattended and check on it. It could have been a lot of things, but thankfully it was just her mom. Her mom Mm -hmm. is there. She snuck there to go see her. Again, Ashley Judd, just the picture of perfection. Um, She tells Tris, like, you are so strong and beautiful. Just basically, I'm so proud of you. But she Mm -hmm. also says, you're in danger, girl. Yeah. She's like, what were your test results? And Mm -hmm. she tells her mom, she's like, abnegation. And she's like, oh, honey, you're a bad liar. You can be honest with me. Yeah. What were they? And she says, divergent. She's like, cool. Me too. So... (laughs) Like, you are in danger. You should not have gone to Dauntless. Basically what the other lady told her. Trista's mom says you can't tell anyone. She said Mm -hmm. people have always been threatened by divergence, but most recently, erudites have been hunting them down and killing them. And her mom's like, listen, the second stage of the Dauntless initiation, that's where you're going to be in the most danger because they're going to get in your head. And that's really how you find a divergent is in their head. Right. And she's like, you need to be very careful and you need to be very smart about this. A very encouraging pep talk from mom right before (laughs) Tris enters the next stage of the training, Mm -hmm. which is, again, it's essentially a hallucinogenic that they Mm -hmm. are injected with, just like for the test. Four is administering her test and he says, I'm going to be able to see what you see. This is going to make all of your fears come to life. And she has to use her bravery to get through them to Mm -hmm. prove that she belongs in Dauntless. But the thing is, this is kind of a trial run because they get to practice this multiple times. The final test is the real one that's going to decide whether they pass or fail. So this is a trial run. He gives her the injection. Mm -hmm. He puts the probes on her and then they enter her nightmares. Tris wakes up in a field outside of the city gates. There are crows coming after her. They're circling overhead. She tries to run away, but she gets stuck in quicksand, which Mm -hmm. isn't that everybody's nightmare getting stuck in quicksand? I'm concerned. Is she afraid of birds or being eaten alive by birds? Do crows eat live people? I don't think so. Well, anyway, so the crows are coming. They're biting her. She's stuck in the quicksand. She ends up falling. She Mm -hmm. falls beside a puddle and sees her reflection. And then she just says, this isn't real. Yeah, it's like she realizes this isn't real. This is a dream. This is a simulation. And she goes into the puddle. Yeah, and then she keeps swimming. And then she ends up in an empty tank that is quickly filling up with water. At first she panics and then she reminds herself this is not real. And then she just taps the glass and the glass breaks. Tris wakes up and Four is a little bit startled. He says, you were there for three minutes, which is four times faster than the average. He's impressed. He's impressed. And then he goes, how did you break the glass? The image was unclear. And she says, I just tapped it and it broke. His face kind of changes. You could tell he's a little suspicious. At this point, Four is very, you could tell Four is like concerned. Later that night, all of the initiates are in their dorm room and they're talking about the test and like what they saw and like what they did. And then Peter, loudmouth Peter, who likes to cause problems, came over and did what he does, cause problems. He's like, how did you get out of it so fast? Like, what, what was the trick? Right. She goes, she's like, there's no trick. He instills the seed of doubt. So this group of masked initiates try to essentially kill Tris. They try to yeet her off the side of like this cavernous hole. Yeah, they call it the chasm. It's essentially like a really deep valley between like two cliffs. And there's like a single wire bridge that covers it. I honestly don't understand how three boys can't manage to throw this little skinny girl off a cliff. Because they are struggling. They're struggling. She's putting up one hell of a fight, but she's still losing the fight at this point until four shows up and beats the fuck out of all three of them. And he takes Tris back to his apartment. Yeah, he takes her back to his place. He says, you'll be safe here. Um, I wrote, bow chicka bow wow. (laughs) Unfortunately for us, there is no bow chicka wow wow. There's not. I could. He tells her, see, that fear doesn't shut you down the way it does for most people. Fear wakes mm-hmm. you up. And then he tells her that if she wants to, like, not get found out, because he doesn't flat out say, hey, you're divergent and I know it. Mm-hmm. 
but he does allude to like, I'm like you. And he's like, you need to make sure that you complete this test the way a Dauntless would. And I'm going to show you how. He takes her into his fearscape and just willingly, she didn't even ask. He's like, let me show you my greatest fears. Let me show you the inside of my head and all of my greatest fears. Yes. So they go into the simulation together. They wake up on a beam between two buildings, which we know is Four's fear. He's afraid of heights. He's like, how would you handle this? And she goes, you could just jump. It doesn't matter. It's a simulation. He's like, you divergent bitch. No. (laughs) No, he says, yeah, that's how a divergent would think. He's like, you have to think like a dauntless. We have to run across this beam to get to the other side of the building. So they do that and they end up in this kind of like enclosed space and the walls are closing in on them. She's trying to figure out how a Dauntless would handle that. She has to jam the walls underneath the walls. So they do that. Things get progressively more sort of intimate for him, like vulnerable for him at this point. Right. The next fear I'm not sure how you would define this fear, but essentially there is a girl sitting in a chair and he has to kill this girl. So he's afraid of taking innocent life. He says he can never do it while looking at her. He always has to look away. Right. So he looks away and he kills the girl. I mean, it's it's really noble of him to have this fear, but also she just watched him murder an innocent girl. So like kind of red flag. I mean, it is a simulation, though, so... Yeah, I guess. Not real. Yeah, I guess. It's like watching your man play Call of Duty. You're like, okay, you're a murderer, but, you know, it's a simulation. Well, and then you have his greatest fear, and his greatest fear is actually his father. Yes, and so this is kind of some major tea, because Tris figures out that four came from abnegation and yes. not just that his father was the lead is the leader of abnegation she also finds out that the rumors about him beating his son were true and the son is four his name is actually mm. tobias and so four has to face his greatest fear which is his dad right and i guess that just it, it just entails him backhanding his dad <laughs> good for him yeah good for him Goals. And then, <laughs> you know, they come out of Four's simulation and he feels as though he has kind of adequately prepared her for you saw what I did. And now when you do your fearscape for the test, yeah, you do it like that. Do that. Do it like that. Do it like that. She also figures out why he chose the name Four. He chose the name Four because he has four fears. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of bizarre to name yourself as a reminder to your fears? I think that's bizarre. I think it's bizarre too, because 1001 would be a really long name for me. <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Like our name would be like 2345. <laughs> and they're on his balcony one night. She's like, can I see your tattoo? He has to take off his shirt because it's a full back tattoo. Let me see what them traps do, bro. <laughs> mm. Crack walnuts. (laughs) They crack walnuts. (laughs) Okay. So his tattoo is a big tattoo. It has each faction symbol down his back. And she's like, you know, it's beautiful. And he goes, I don't want to be just one thing. He says, I want to be selfless. I want to be brave and honest and kind. Why don't you just turn yourself in at this point? Turn yourself in. And also... Who has not melted on the ground? Just if you haven't. The vulnerability of this man. Listen, flexing your muscles, beating up guys, breaking inanimate objects. That's not hot. Mm -mm. This is hot. And this is maybe maybe that's why he's so hot. They start making out. They don't sleep together. Obviously, this is a young adult story. So there's there's no hanky panky going on. Unfortunately, unfortunately for us. The day of the test comes. So she's hooked up in this room that presumably everybody's in, like all the other initiates. The head of Erudite is there. I don't know why she's there. It's because they administer the test, right? Because they're the brainiacs, Erudite. Maybe, but they've been doing the test themselves, like during training. Right. So, But it's also, it could be because Erudite and Dauntless are like in cahoots. They are in cahoots, Yeah. So Tris goes under into the simulation. She wakes up. She's back in the field outside the city. Same thing as before. The crows uh-huh. are circling overhead. The quicksand is making her stuck. She notices a bushfire off in the distance and she runs there. Yeah, she takes a flaming 
stick and like waves the birds off and then they leave. Next thing she knows, she is tied in the fire. She's burning. She uses the fire to burn the ropes. Yeah, good thing. And then she runs over to a puddle to soothe her burns. Right. The puddle leads her to the glass box that starts filling with water. Now, remember, in the past, she just tapped the glass and it broke. This time, she takes her jacket off and shoves it in the pipe to block the water. Her next fear is really cringe because it's essentially her and Four making out. He tries to slide his hand up her shirt and she kind of moves his hand. And then he just picks her up, flings her on the bed and holds her arms down like he's getting ready to take advantage of her. Right. She fights him off. She needs his crotch and headbutts him. And then she wakes up. Janine, a.k.a. Kate Winslet, the head of Erudite, she walks over and she hands her a gun and her family is lined up and she essentially has to shoot her family. We thought she woke up, but she's still in the simulation. And then she does. She shoots her family. She's lucid. She knows that this is not real. So I think that's how she's able to do it. So this was the last test. She passed and now she's Mm -hmm. officially a Dauntless. Yeah. And as a reward, they are all inserted with, quote, tracking devices. We are using heavy air quotes. Tracking devices are implanted Mm -hmm. on everyone in Dauntless. And we find out pretty quickly that they're not really tracking devices. No, because that night, all of the Dauntless are woken up, but they're like robots. They're under a trance. They're obviously being Mm -hmm. controlled. And when Triss wakes up, she's smart enough to go along with it and pretend that she's one of them. So she is kind of moving in a line with all of these other Dauntless towards the train. Mm -hmm. And she sees like the leaders of the Dauntless. They aren't under the trance. Right. Triss follows the Dauntless. They file into the train and then they Mm -hmm. just stand in the train cart like cattle just staring ahead. And she ends up kind of shimming her way right next to four. Mm -hmm. And at this point, she doesn't know if he's under the trance or not. Right. Because he's staring straight ahead. He doesn't Mm -hmm. look at her. He reaches to her and squeezes her hand. What's happening here, obviously, is that Erudites are using the Dauntless Army to overthrow the government. But in order Mm -hmm. to overthrow the government, they are wanting to eradicate the entire faction of abnegation. Like, why is that Mm -hmm. necessary? I don't think it is. But you know what? The smart people have it under control, I guess. Eric, once again, does not like Four, and he takes this opportunity to taunt Four because he thinks Four is a drone. He's like, look at you, you useless drone. And he notices something that makes him do a double take. Do you know what it was? Mm. Four's jaw twitched. And Eric's like, motherfucker. It turns into a little bit of a gunfight. Triss and Four kind of get away from that initial group, but they end up Mm. being surrounded. Janine, the head of Erudite, comes up. She's like you know what, I think I'll take you with me to Mm -hmm. perform other little projects on you. Yes, I want to study you in my evil lair. But she notices that Triss is wounded and she realizes like, oh, I can't study her. She's dying. She tells a couple of other members of Dauntless, get rid of her. Four gets taken. He goes with the leader of Erudite. Triss gets taken to the back of the building to be executed. Gunshots just start coming from behind them, shooting the Dauntless soldiers that are going to be executing Triss. It's her mom. Her mom is coming to the rescue. Yeah, mom came strapped and ready to rumble. Hell yeah. So we have this really cool scene of Triss and her mom just kind Mm -hmm. of shooting their way through this town, trying to get to the safe space. Triss's mom tells Triss where her dad is. She's like, yeah, dad took a group over here. And then mom gets shot in the stomach. Yeah, mom dies. Uh, Triss Mm -hmm. is devastated. She's kind of like crying over her body. It's Mm -hmm. almost like Triss has never read a dystopian novel before. It's like the parents always die. If they're not dead at the beginning, girl, they're going to die. Anyways, so mom dies and then Triss takes off to go find her dad. Right. And she does. She finds her dad. There are a few other of the abnegation leadership mm-hmm. together. Also, her brother's there. Her her brother defected from Erudite. Triss does not trust her brother. She's like, no, he's probably a spy. Right. Yeah. 
Tris is like, listen, I'm the badass here. Mm-hmm. I'm running the show now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and she basically says we have to find where they're controlling everybody at and we have to shut it down. Tris leads this small group of, I don't know, rebels or whatever. She leads them back to the Dauntless headquarters. But there are still Dauntless soldiers in the headquarters. Tris is just kind of indiscriminately mowing them down. There's like this control room, I guess, somewhere deep Uh in the Dauntless territory. Tris's dad says, we don't have much time. And he just goes out there like Rambo and just starts shooting indiscriminately. And then daddy dies too. Yeah, because, you know, plot. Plot, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so daddy dies. Tris finds the control room, but right outside of it, Four is strapped to a chair and he's got the hallucinogenic simulation machine attached to him. Tris goes straight to Four and she's like, Four, wake up, wake up. It's me. Janine comes in and she's like, oh, he can't hear you. Tris cuts him loose. And Janine is just like, it's wonderful, isn't it? We developed the serum, especially for divergence, Mm. to make them conform. It's called science, you stupid, dauntless troll. (laughs) Exactly. Like, this is why we should be in charge. Janine orders Four to get rid of Tris. This is really hard to watch because Four is a trained soldier and also twice as big as Tris. And they start fighting. And to be fair, Tris is really good at like narrowly avoiding getting mm-hmm. trampled. But she can only do that for so long. He's going to town on like his task. It gets to the point where he has her on the ground. She grabs a gun and points it at him. Then she like decides to turn the gun around and point it at her own head. She plays against his own fears. Yeah. Remember, his fear is killing an innocent and he can only do it if he looks away. So Ford Mm -hmm. gets his hand on the gun. He puts his finger on the trigger and he starts to look away so that he could pull the trigger. And Tris says, look at me, look at me. She forces him to look at her. And she just keeps saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's me. It's me. And it pulls him out of his trance. It pulls him out of the trance. Because love. (laughs) Because love. And maybe titties. Maybe. He hasn't got the hit that yet. He can't kill her. (laughs) Um, Once Trisk has confirmed that he's back in control of his own mind, she's like, all right, go. He starts kind of taking down the other guards in the room and everything like that. Tris takes it upon herself to run into this control center that's full of screens, is full of computers. It's it's your basic villain control center. Janine is trying to do like the final control sequence, which is going to make the Dauntless soldiers execute all of the abnegation citizens. Yeah, you can see on a video camera where the Dauntless are putting all of the abnegation on their knees and lining up to shoot them. Right. Tris takes a knife. And flings it at Janine and gets her through the hand into the screen. And you can tell these are some high-tech screens because that screen still works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still working. This does not stop Janine in the slightest. She's She barely mm-hmm. notices the gashing wound in her hand. She continues. Tris gets to Janine and pulls another knife on her throat. And she's like, shut it down. Janine is like, I admire that you're willing to die for your beliefs, but I'm willing to die for mine. So Janine is basically saying, you can kill me, but I'm not shutting this down. And you know what I kept thinking? Hmm. If only they would have had like some sort of IT training in Dauntless, she might have been able to shut it down herself. <laughs> you know what? No lies. This is why I'm a proponent of learning a lots of different skills, you know? I'd rather be a jack of all trades than a master of one. Tris sees a vial of the serum on the floor and she does this little eye thing with four like, mm. Hand it over. Hand it over. So he does. She goes over and she stabs Janine in the neck with it. So now Tris is controlling Janine. She orders Janine to shut down the program mm-hmm. and wipe it. Yeah, she does it. So here we are. Tris and Four and a couple others go on the run. Where are they going? This city is enclosed by a freaking wall. Um, They said that they were going to ride the train until it ended and then figure it out. Okay, well, I guess you heard it here. That's what they're doing. And so the movie actually leaves us with a cute scene of Tris and Four embracing each other on the train as they try to figure out their next plan. Right. I mean, Tris says, both of my parents died today. It's been a real bummer. And Four is like, yeah, I know. Come here. Will a hug make it better? <laughs> She's like, also, you almost killed me. <laughs> 
Yeah. You and beat he's the like, crap out of me. Can you imagine? She's like nursing all these like bruises and like probably like broken ribs and shit that he did. But like she can't be mad at him because he was being controlled by an evil villain. I she can't be mad. Yeah, but I feel like I would still be mad. I feel like you couldn't fight through the con- mind control serum and remember that you loved me. It's like when women are mad at their husbands for what happened in a dream. I would be mad at my husband for what he did while in a trance. I, you know, I am mad at my husband for things he does in dreams. <laughs> this is the end of book one. We mm-hmm. will not be doing the other books, but uh, we will not. But we did love this one. This is where our movie leaves us. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry, more is brewing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye. Dear Miss Roth, I hope this email finds you well. My name is Courtney, and I'm the co-host of comedy podcast Fiction Fixation. We are currently filming an episode on Divergent, and we have some follow-up questions regarding the etiquette in different factions. What are the rules in each faction when it comes to dating, sex, and marriage? Like, are they free to bang whoever they want, or are there different rules in each? (laughs) Are there purity cultural rules? What are the rules on premarital relations and teen pregnancy? Were there any smutty scenes that your editors made you cut out? Can we have those? Laughy cry face. We love the books and really enjoyed the movie adaptations. Courtney. Oh, I love it.